Okay, we ready. Come on. All right. Welcome to another edition of Be Revive. I'm Pastor Keith Martin of Detroit, Michigan. And here tonight, we are talking to Pastor Sam King of Sierra Leone, West Africa. He is the pastor of World Harvest Outreach Ministries. We're going to talk a little bit about what he's doing over there at that part of the world. I'm excited to have him as I guest. Um, before we go any further, we just want to highlight and be and thank our sponsors. First of all, we want to thank our our sponsors, um, Rise Above the Cloud, Miss 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 Kavanis the Goss, Rise Above the Cloud, who has an event that is coming. She is going to put her event on the comment section and be by all means support her, support her events buy her books she's an excellent writer and a spoken word artist and we appreciate her being our sponsor we also like to thank our other sponsors um jerry's cheesecake boutique um go to her website she i'm, I'm pretty sure she's going to add it in the comment session go to her website go to her instagram and facebook page support her that's some of the best cheesecake you would ever taste and we appreciate them supporting this show. So, we are going to have a discussion about world missions. We're on the line, our audio line, we have Pastor Sam King. He has he is pastoring a church in West Africa and he we're going to talk about some of the things that he's doing over in that part of the world. How he is ministering to that part of the world. So lady and gentlemen, we appreciate and we want to welcome to the Be Revived Radio Show, Pastor Sam King. Pastor King, are you with us? Yes, um, I'm with you all. I, I celebrate Jesus and I give uh, Elohim and Adonai the glory and all uh, praise we ascribe unto him. I want to thank uh, as, uh, God for the grace of God upon Pastor uh, Kev Nathan and all the brethren that are listening all the way from Freetown, Sierra Leone, West Africa. Yes. I greet you all in the name of Jesus. Yes, and we're so happy to have you on there. I don't know what was going on with our, our video feed, but the devil's a liar. We're going to go on anyhow. So, Pastor King, um, Tell us a little bit about the ministry. Um, introduce yourself. Tell her. Tell us a little bit about your church and the ministry. Yeah, to God be the glory. Um, I am uh, Pastor Sam King. I'm legally married to Deborah King, <laughs> uh, wife to me. And then I have a son by the name of uh, Elijah. And uh, and in the in the year two thousand and thirteen. Amen. Just about four to five, just about four to five months before we were struck by that devastation uh, virus, Ebola, the Lord told me that uh, I must start world harvest and then begin to reach out to, to souls, to bring in the souls. Mm. And I saw it vividly in a vision. And uh, um, the Lord even showed me the name of the ministry. 
Wow. And uh, so by the grace of God, I brought the, I saw the name World Harvest Outreach Ministry on a big banner under a very big tree mm-hmm. in the vision. And so when I walked up, I went to a mentor of mine and the mentor told me that God has given me this ministry. And at that time, I don't know how to start. I don't know how to get at because I need resources. And so I started it by faith. Mm-hmm. And just about five months, the the, 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 the crisis, the Ebola crisis came and hit in. Mm-hmm. And so the vision of our ministry is purely to reach out to the impoverished community and to the ghettos and to the communities to preach nothing but Jesus Christ crucified, died and resurrected and is coming again. Mm-hmm. And so that is our pivot focus of who we are and what yes, we are doing. Yes, and so by the grace of God, uh, World Harvest started going along the season when Ebola came in the nation. And uh, there were some restrictions of laws that we did not disobey the, the restrictions of the laws from the government. Mm-hmm. However, the Bible says that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. So Come. no weapon, no weapon. Come on, Pastor. No weapon, no no weapon formed against us will be able to prosper. And God's grace has been able to preserve us. And God's grace has been able to see us through. And so in with our evangelism, with our one-to-one evangelism, reaching out to souls, and then also bringing, going to the hospital and doing hospital ministry, because it is permitted here that when you go to the hospital, you can preach the gospel and also minister healing to the sick. And so part of our mission is to reach out and minister to the sick and even those that are in prison, those that are incarcerated in the prisons. And also we involve into feeding the hungry. According to the word of God says in Proverbs chapter 22 verse 9 that he that has a bountiful eye shall be blessed for he giveth of his bread to the poor. And so this is a preamble of who we are and what we are doing. Um, I really felt it because I was trying to accept the, the the accept button page, but I don't know, it keeps stiffing on my phone. And so I, I know that it, this is the will of God for, yes. for the first time to share the word of God. And I believe that God's mandate and God's grace and God's and mission, vision for what happens is going to be fulfilled to the glory of his name. So this is a preamble of who we are and what we're doing in this jurisdiction of West Africa, of a nation called Australia. Amen, amen. What a wonderful testimony. So to review what you were saying, you started World Harvest Outreach Ministry. Um, and soon after you started this wonderful ministry in West Africa, the Ebola virus hit. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. That's right. So, that's right. so, and so you from, I know our past conversations, you was just telling me how devastated you, you were over there with this Ebola outbreak. Can you talk about that to our audience a little bit more? Just, just how devastating yes, this was? It is something, it is something very, uh, uh, Apostle uh, Martin, it is something very appalling that sometimes, you know, uh, there are three things that I see that God brings into a nation. Mm-hmm. And when the nation is going through such things, mm-hmm. uh, farming, 
uh, war and then pestilence. Mm. Whenever you see, whenever you see such things, then definitely God is sending a warning signal. And I believe that Ebola came here as a warning signal, and many people died and perished. Wow. And uh, I, not when you come to Freetown, I will take you to the site. I'm not living. I'm living just about two thousand meters from where the uh, the site that the, that devastation took place, and thousands of people died. And then, but God was so faithful, and God was so gracious that He has been able to preserve His own. You know, the Bible says that God will always preserve the righteous. You yeah. know, and so God has been able to preserve us, and He kept us. And uh, yet still, even whilst people were dying, we were still preaching the gospel and still encouraging people and still telling people to repent and go back to the feet of the master so that the Lord's master will be revealed over this land. And so by the grace of God, in the season and the timing of the spirit of God, God uh, brought, reveal his mercy and have mercy upon the land. Actually, um, I didn't have any patients who died in my church. It was my wife's uh, elder brother's wife, who was a state registered nurse, who passed away of the Ebola. And wow. she wasn't a member of the church. Actually, it was with my um, my my brother-in-law's wife. They were living in a, another city, and so in our church, none of the, the members were attacked by Ebola. Wow! It was a spiritual. Yes, and so so it, it was very devastating. That sometimes I I feel I hear tears when I'm talking about because I I went to the cemetery myself and uh, I saw thousands of people being buried alive, being buried. Some are even not put in a coffin, just in a plastic, and then being buried. And it, it's very appalling. But all these things is a signal. God is telling us. In the book of Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verses fourteen, that declares that if my people, if my people who are called yes. by my name, shall humble themselves, seek my face, and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I, the Lord Adonai, said that He will bring healing upon the land. Yes. And so, when we began to engage into those prophetic scriptures. We saw that God's healing grace came over this nation and delivered Israel from the, the powers of darkness with this demonic and satanic pestilence that erupted over this land. But by the grace of God, the, the power of, of this disease yes. is broken and it is destroyed and healing and deliverance has taken place. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Imagine having to, I'm talking to my American audience, um, imagine have to minister in such, in, in such an environment. You pretty much have uh, infestation of Ebola, dead bodies everywhere, people dying and having to bury thousands of people. Imagine having to minister in that environment but this man of God, God raised him up to be able to minister in this environment, not only to minister during that time of crisis, but continue, they're continuing to minister. Uh, they're still recovering. They're, they are still recovering from this Ebola outbreak and they're 
preaching the gospel. They're evangelizing. We're talking about for real world missions. Um, talk about some. Talk about the aftermath. Talk about what you are doing now in your ministry. Praise the Lord, we give Jesus glory. World Harvest Outreach Ministry right now, we the first focus is to is to do the will of God to reach out and then and then win souls for Jesus. Yeah. Then number two, one of the things that we we are doing is to engage into feeding program, feeding the poor. There are so many uh, people in the impoverished community that needs support, yeah. that needs to be put into school. And so this is what we are doing when I am empowered or when I have finance in my hand. Uh, what we do is that we we, we we bring the women in the in the fellowship and the women go to the market and get some foodstuffs and then prepare food and then we also engage into feeding program. Then in addition to that, we also involve into hospital ministry uh, where we minister to the sick. Then we go to the various hospital and we minister to the sick and then uh, and let we give faith and ask and let the, the sick know that there is a healing God yes. that can heal even when we are sick, that he, he, he did his final work on the cross of Calvary and that healing is the bread, it belongs to the bread, it's healing is the bread of the children. Yes. And so uh, this is also part of what we are doing. And in addition to that, we also reach out to widows and then we bring widows whereby uh, we can bring them together and intercede for the nation. Yeah. And uh, and tomorrow, by the grace of God, we even normally we can have a tarry night. I call it a tarry night because we can pray at midnight, yeah. from midnight up to five o'clock in the morning. And so this is a preamble of what we are doing and uh, feeding the hungry, reaching out, and then also and also reaching out to other souls, people that uh, communities that are stricken with. Uh, drug abuse and all those stuff and then to make sure that Jesus Christ is preached and then uh, we'll make sure that the Holy Spirit will snatch those that he has, he has laid his hands upon and bring them into the vineyard. So this is a little bit preamble of who we are and what we're doing. Yes. Yes. You're doing a wonderful work there, Pastor. We, from what I gather, you're feeding the, the, the hungry, going to the hospital, to to minister to those that are sick. You're being an eyewitness to signs, wonders, and miracles, uh, just as the Bible says, um, taking care of the widows, taking care of orphans. Um, you're doing a wonderful work there, Pastor, and you have our prayers support. I know that we had discussed, and I, I, here I'm gonna announce this on Facebook Live that we are becoming ministry partners, Revival Church in Detroit, Michigan, and World Harvest Outreach is becoming ministry partners where we're, we're having a covenant partnership where we're praying with one another. We're praying for that church. That church is praying for us. They're praying for our needs and we're praying for their needs. So I just thank God for this man of God. I just thank God for what he's doing. So Facebook Live, Silver Line Radio Family, we're going to point, um, our, we're going to direct our prayers to 
Leanna Lemoyne, West Africa. Let's bombard that nation with prayer. Let's bombard Pastor Sam King and his family and with with prayer. Let's let's bombard World Harvest Outreach Ministries with pray as they do the will of God. Um, what are some of the resources that you need to do the work that God has called you to do? Okay. Um, the first area is the God Himself. When I say God Himself, I'm talking about His Word, the yeah. Bibles, both the used Bibles and the spiritual materials, DVD teachings. Sunday school materials mm-hmm. and uh, also and also we also need a PA system uh, which is the evangelistic equipment which we can use to go to the outreach and also floodlights for 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 outreach uh, those outreach crusade because uh, here uh, uh, doing ministry is a little bit different because we can go to places that have fields and we can do outreach at midnight so we really need uh, those spiritual materials like used bibles and then books and also dvds and also evangelistic equipment like a PA system and a keyboard and and a floodlight system the full set of PA system is what we need and in addition to that um we also appeal to the family that there are so many uh, things that we also appeal, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, you know, uh, use clothing, things that we need to support, food aspect like uh, rice uh, that we can use to help, backpacks for for school going uh, children who cannot afford even to buy a bag or, or, a, or a crib or a tennis shoes mm-hmm. to wear to, to go to school. We need those stuff so that we can we can help those that are in need. And there are some students who also need some help so that they can pay their school fees. They are brilliant, but because of the, 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 the projection of um, some hardship within their family, some of the, 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 the children who can't afford to go to school as a result of their parents who died in the war or who died in the Ebola outbreak or who died in the most light. We will re- we relate the need your support so that we'll be able to, to help those that need to be uplifted by the, the, the hand of God. Yeah. And so we, we also need, and this is one of the things that it's our cry. As I told you about uh, Bishop uh, Martin, uh, uh, we are really seeking the Lord that God will make a way that will be able to obtain a land. We have seen a land and um, they are really uh, telling us, they show us the cost. And uh, it is a land that we can be able to, it's one acre land. Because on the acre land, we'll be able to build a a, a permanent edifice for God. And we'll be able to build a primary and a secondary school where we can can, uh, uh, bring uh, Christian education and then and then uh, impact people about uh, about God because uh, there is a high uh, illiteracy rate here. So I believe that God we need God to open the windows of heaven that we'll be able to get financing, get an acre of land whereby we'll be able to plant this project, God kingdom project on it. And in addition to that, with a long term goal, so that a long term goal will also be connected with a health center. Yeah. Health center where uh, diseases will be will be treated, 
where the nurses will happen, the born again nurses and born again doctors who will treat not just physical treatment, but will add yeah. uh, the kingdom principle in treating people so that the salvation will be in a two-sided way. Uh, uh, the medicinal, bringing the medicinal side and also bringing the God side. And so this is part of what I'm really crying unto God that the Lord in his mercy and his grace will open the doors that will be able to even invite you people so that the acre of land will be able to buy the it and start this uh, project by the realm of faith or by the hand of God. Because God who has started it, he is the one who has begun it and he is the one who is going to finish it. Yes. And so this is a little bit part of what we're doing. And so we really need your support. Whatever in your spirit that God has placed for you to send and to be of a render support in the area of relief, we will be we will appreciate it. And whatever you send or whatever you render us a support, what we believe that to whom much is given, much is required of it. One of the things that I was taught is the spirit of accountability. Mm. Everything that we are doing will be accountable unto God. Romans chapter 14, verses 12 says, Each one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. So I believe that every resources that God will use you, uh, those Bibles and those evangelistic equipment and those floodlights for lighting system, for the outreach, and every resources and whatever we have discussed right now, Oh, we're going to be accountable unto you. Every gift, every relief that you will send, we'll make sure that we will video it, and then people will give testimony. People will testify about the the beneficiaries, what it becomes of them, what they receive, and how they 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 felt after receiving the gift from our 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 head church out there. So God richly bless you. Amen. Amen. So you hear that Silver Line Radio, you hear that Facebook Live, you hear the the plea, you hear the plea of this man of God, some of the resources that he needs to do the work that God has called him to do, which is a wonderful work. They're doing what the Bible told him to do. Um, they're, they're, the Bible said, preach the gospel to every nation. He is evangelizing to those and introducing the gospel to those in his country. Um, And we're just going to continue to pray with him. We're going to pray for him. And I'm asking you, Facebook Live, to help me to help this man of God um, to to preach the gospel to that nation, to win souls. Think that was the first thing that you said. Their first priority is to win souls to Christ. So this is our mission. This is our, the mission of the church. So we're going to be praying for it, Pastor King. We're going to be we're going to be doing outreach, and we're going to be sending resources to help this man of God do what God called them to do, Pastor King. You have any final thing yes. to say before we let you go? Um, um, what I want to uh, say is that um, God, God is a rewarder of them that diligently trust Him and that diligently seek Him. Mm-hmm. I want to express my humble appreciation 
first of all to to Bishop Erket Martin and the First Lady and all the brethren that uh, make this live show a reality. I want to say God richly bless you exceedingly and abundantly. And uh, it is my prayer, humble prayer, that the Lord yeah. in a season and a time of life will be able to unite you, that I will be able to give an invitation that will, you will visit the motherland and visit Africa. And that, that so what God has placed in your heart, uh, that there is something that God has placed in your heart. Yeah. To every heart that is in the kingdom of God, there is a vision. And so I pray that the face of Adonai, the face of the Lord, will continue to strengthen you and that God will reveal deeper things concerning who we are yeah. and what we are doing here unto you. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will, will catapult you, will give you more strength and more grace yes, on the soul, so that God will use you to touch Australia uh, uh, to the glory of his name. God was able to use Apostle Paul to touch Ephesus, to touch Thessalonica, to touch uh, all the parts of, of the Asia Minor region. And so I believe that God in this season of the time of grace will be able to use you for us to unite at an intertwined ministry. We are intertwined in the spirit. We are intertwined in the in the spirit of God so that we'll be able to do and accomplish the kingdom mission yes. for Jesus Christ before his coming. And so I pray that the grace of God will continue to strengthen you all there and that the Lord will preserve you and your family and your great-great-grandchildren yes. and that God will make America great and God will make the church out there great in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pastor King, I appreciate the connection, the fellowship, and the brotherhood we have. I have not known you for a very long time, but I just, um, we when we have been talking a little bit of time, we have known each other. I hear your heart. We have uh, a lot in common when it comes to our vision for the ministry. And we just thank God for this God connection that we have. And we're going to be, I'm going to have to invite you back. Of course, we cannot cover everything in 30 minutes, but we're going to have you back. And we're going to let the audience know what, what what's going on in that part of the world. So if I invite you back, will you accept my invitation? Yes. <laughs> because it's, it's the phone. That I don't know. The, the devil is a liar. I, 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 I just click on it but it's not opening but i release the blood of jesus i know the enemy is just playing some tricks but the devil is a liar right you know uh, I, I i wanted to ask i press it but it's not opening I don't, I that's don't all right What's, no yeah. no worries pastor um with all that said god god did what he did tonight this was an anointed um, session my wife is on here she heard everything that you said we have the facebook audience and the silver line audience listening to everything that you said um what the devil meant for evil god will make good we're not this is not going to be the last time that the silver line radio audience nor the facebook live audience hear from you we're going to keep we're going to keep you connected with us and you're going to just let us know what's going on in world harvest outreach ministries 
and Sierra Leone, West Africa. So we're going to let you go there, Pastor. Thank you so much for your time. Saint, Saints, Facebook, um, Civil Line Radio, this man is standing in his sanctuary right now. It is midnight. He's sacrificed getting up at midnight just to have this conversation. So we just appreciate this man of God. And we're going to be praying for this man of God, his family, and his ministry. Okay, God bless you, Pastor King. I'm going to probably talk to you after we wrap all this up, okay? Love you there, my brother. Uh, what you say, you say Salome, correct? Yeah. The, you say, so what is the... Shalom, shalom alakem, shalom alakem. Okay, you got to teach me. I, I get it. I get it after a while. Okay, God bless you, Pastor. We're going to let you go, okay? Yeah, God bless you too. God bless you all. Okay, God bless you. Okay, thank you, Pastor King. Yeah, shalom. Shalom. All right, Facebook audience, OK Silver Line Radio, we appreciate you listening to this, another edition of Be Revived. I just want you to be praying for us. We'll be back on in two weeks, and we need your prayers, and we need your support. Thank you, Silver Line Radio. God bless you. Pray for your brother. Amen. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into Raw, Real, and Relevant with Crystal. I am your host, Crystal Harris, and we keep it raw, we keep it real, we keep it relevant right here on Silver Line Radio. You can catch us on at silverline-radio.com. Again, that is silverline-radio.com. The show airs every second and fourth Thursday, every second and fourth Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm very excited here. Um, we aim to enlighten, encourage, and empower our listeners. And I'm so excited that you all have decided to tune in today um, to another show of Real, Raw, Raw, Real, and Relevant right here on Silverline Radio. I do want to, before moving forward, I want to give a shout out to Bible Over Everything. Bible Over Everything is a movement for Christian believers committed to promoting biblical principles over government and societal norms. And I just want to give a shout out to that movement. You can catch uh, the movement online at Bible, www.bibleovereverything.com. Again, that is www.bibleovereverything.com. And the social media handle for Facebook and Instagram is at Bible Over Everything 529. All right. I have a special guest today. You all may have heard from him all over the uh, news media outlets. He has just taken the world by storm because he has such a powerful uh, testimony of some of huge accomplishments in his life. And I am very honored to be interviewing Michael Love. That is Michael Love, who is the Detroit High School senior from Cornerstone Health and Technology in Detroit. And he has been accepted in 41 colleges and has received over $300,000 
in scholarships. And I am just so elated that he is sitting with me today so we can have this conversation, getting to know him on a one-on-one -on -one basis. He moved, he had so such a long schedule today. I'm um, going to school and then he's got other interviews besides this one. And I just think, I'm just so thankful you decided, Michael, to stop by right here on Raw, Real, and Relevant just to talk to me. I am so excited. Thank you for being on the show. Hello. All right, thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I thank you for your time. Um, I know you've been pretty swamped since all this has been going on. You've been having, what, interview after interview? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> So excited about it. So we heard, um, we've been hearing and I've been reading on the news and, and watching the news and I've been finding out, like I said, um, been, being accepted into 41 colleges and then um, receiving over $300,000 in scholarships. I'm just going to go right into this interview, ask me some questions. And I want to know, how did you do it? What was your motivation? Well, my motivation was when I was younger, a lot of people told me I couldn't do things when I wanted to do. So my goal, beginning of high school, I mean, beginning of my senior year was get 50 college acceptances. And I'm kind of a little under, but I, I'm still um, going towards my goal. I'm showing a lot of people not how to live life, but how to go through life. Not just having college acceptances, but just at least applying to colleges to get an education after high school, because high school education is not going to get you nowhere in life. No. But having a college or a community college education, it can get you somewhere and get you a career and a job. Oh, that's a powerful message. <laughs> Definitely a powerful message that you have. So tell me, um, you mentioned that a lot of people told you what you could or could not do when you were growing up. Um, can you get deeper into that, uh, how that uh, shaped you and how you overcame those, those naysayers? So um, a lot of teachers, even school staff, told me that I just couldn't do anything, and they tried to um, diagnose me with a, a learning disorder. Hmm. So I didn't take that as uh, I didn't take it nice. So I really want to push myself with my math abilities and my math skills to let my English reading um, go right right after that. So I just want to keep pushing myself to be who I'm actually who I I'm actually am and just to be the big brother that my little siblings are looking up to. That is awesome. So now you mentioned these were educators that were telling you what you could not do and tried to diagnose you with the, you know, that's a common thing. That's not the first time, of course, I'm, I'm hearing about that's a common thing. A lot of times we hear about that in the African-American community. Um, a lot of times uh, you find a lot of educators that, that tell, especially young black men, that there are certain learning disorders or whatnot that they have, and they try to hold them back. But you, we see that you've overcome um, those naysayers, and you've actually uh, defeated those odds. And so what I wanted to know uh, from you, I know you were talking about, a bit about that. Um, so tell me, what are some of the things that got you through the day? What are some of the things that motivated you? So during the day, my daily schedule will end up looking like I go to school, I wake up 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, go to school at 7, 50, 8 o'clock, all the way to 3 o'clock. Then during the fall, I was a basketball team winter, so I was on the basketball team, so I had to practice from all the way to 3 to 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> then I had to, I, had, I couldn't forget all my homework or applying to school, so I stayed up to almost midnight applying to schools and doing homework. So what was it like for you getting up the next day? <laughs> so 
So waking up at five o'clock, six o'clock, I probably woke up at six o'clock, couldn't take five o'clock. So um, I just <laughs> I just kept uh, pushing myself, even if that's uh, letting my brothers go in the bathroom first, getting ready. But um, I just push myself up because you won't, it's always a tomorrow, but you have to show people that it's going to be, um, it's going to be a tomorrow where you approve yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't approve yourself in the present day. You have to approve yourself because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So you have to make sure you're in a good look for tomorrow. Mm, that is awesome. Absolutely wonderful. I'm glad that you, even at this young age, have that understanding, um, too, that there's a certain drive that, that you need and um, that you're pushing forward in everything that, you're, that you want to accomplish. Um, that's such a remarkable thing, again, at, at, your, at your young age. And um, speaking of uh, certain challenges, I did find out, you know, I was doing a little reading um, through your other uh, many interviews that you've had already. And um, there was a mention that you struggled academically in the beginning of high school. Yes, so I attended Thurston, that's a referee Thurston High School, and I didn't really, I didn't look up to my expectations. I kind of sl- uh, slimmed down, not just because I was childish or playful, it's just because I wasn't really getting the, the assignments, like reading, and I, I couldn't really take a lot of reading, I couldn't really take a lot of writing, but now I can write out paragraphs, paragraphs, and I can write paper. And I just, but my math skills was always good, all the way back to elementary. So I used that to try to go over the slump, but I still just feel a little shy of um, getting that over 3.0. Oh, that is wonderful. So, but you pushed yourself. So what was your drive to overcome that in uh, the beginning of high school? What was your drive? So my mother always told me, like, you have to, this is even back in ninth grade, my mother always told me you have to look forward towards the future, not just what's happening right now. Even though you want to be a basketball player, what what happens if you get hurt? What what are you going to do? If you don't have a brain, you really... It's nothing much you can do, because as soon as you get hurt, you don't go to school and be, um, let's say, a one and done for college. It's not going to benefit you in the long run. All right. All right. So now, speaking of your beautiful mother, Nicole Ewing, uh, speaking of her, I did have a a chance to kind of communicate with her a little bit. And first of all, she's so excited about your success. And she seems like such a wonderful person. I'm looking forward to the opportunity of getting to know her better as well. And um, she mentioned a few things. So, you know, regarding your drive, regarding your accomplishments, she she runs a, a tight ship right there at the house <laughs> a little bit. Can you can you ex- talk about a bit about that and how's that how that has affected you as far as you being able to to uh, accomplish your goal. So her working multiple jobs wasn't just happening this senior year, but her working multiple jobs every day, Monday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday. It's really hard for me to see her because it was, I think it was almost a weekend I didn't see her because it was either me sleep or I'm just uh, doing my basketball or something else. So I do be missing her sometimes. I love her to all the way bottom of my heart. So I just try to strive and show her that I can be better than other people, but show show my older my my younger brothers that I can um, be a good 
mentor towards them. Yes. Okay. All right. That's wonderful. So what is what is life like at the house? What is your what is your day your routine when you come home from school? So um, now, because basketball season is over with, I usually oh I help my brothers because my mother used to be at work. So I help my brothers with their homework from like an hour, hour and a half to two hours, and I do my homework. So we might be sitting at the same table with my brothers doing homework. We'll eat together. We'll just talk because um, you see, I have 41 college acceptances. So it's it's soon that I'll probably won't be in the same house as them every day like I usually do. So I just try to spend as much time with them. I love them to the bottom of my heart. Even though I be mean to them, it's just, it's just that's the brotherly love. <laughs> Absolutely, that is. That's brotherly love. That sounds like, you know, that wouldn't be true sibling love if mean didn't come in there so <laughs> somewhere but of course like you said that's true brotherly love you're just trying to show them that you care and um you spending a lot of time with them just uh, spending that one-on-one -on -one quality time with them I'm, I'm sure they feel that love coming from you they might not understand everything but i'm sure they uh feel that that brotherly love coming from you i commend you for that i do i definitely commend you for that um so another thing that uh Nicole Ewing said to us, I know she was talking about, she mentioned a little bit about like leisure time, television and social media and uh, reading books or whatnot. What kind of, that's. So um, Saturday and Sunday, I uh, have a job, so I don't really be at home. So when I do be home, I'll be staying up to one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning playing my game when I can, but then I'll be, I don't be, I say, I don't, I don't want Monday to come. Cause I won't be able to play the game, or and this is still now. I'm a senior, 17. Still, I'm not. I'm not really over. I won't argue back and forth with it. That's nothing. Like it's just a video game. It's just a phone. It's not your life. So I really just take that to. She's being a good mother. She want our education to go first. So I respect that and I take that for consideration. Mm -hmm. So um, just having not having the phone Monday through Friday. I mean Monday through Thursday is. It, it's just a regular day. That's the same like you being at school. We can't have phones at school, so you don't really be tripping or just going over and above that you can't have a phone. So just just use the time that you do be on the phone. Use it to tell the people how to get through things they need to get through. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Do you think that sacrifice, you know, sacrificing all that leisure time through the week, do you think that's contributed to your success right now? Yes, yeah, let me get homework done. Let me read let me get um assignments done i have a big senior defense project coming up in april help me get that done so it's a, it, help, it help a lot so i just i love doing it mm, that's a huge message to all of our listeners when it comes down to leisure time and television time and especially social media just consume so much of our time but we see how much that has uh uh, helped you as far as sacrificing that time and just limiting that to limiting that to just uh, the weekends so that you can get everything that you needed to get done through the weekend um, be this great accomplishment that we see here um, today so I know she was also mentioning to me that you know sh she likes to make sure that you all are reading quite a bit you and your sons are, uh, you and your brothers are reading quite a bit um, and I wanted to know from you have you what are what are some of your favorite books? So some of my favorite books is probably crazy. You wouldn't really believe me, but I love the Harry Potter uh, collection. Mm -hmm. I love the Harry Potter collection. I sat through all. I can't 
can't remember how many movies it was. Six or seven movies it had been. I sat through the three hours, so 21 hours of the movies. Almost a whole day. <laughs> I think I went uh, watching three movies in one day. Mm-hmm. So I just love the Harry Potter collection. I can read it all day if I wanted to. And people wouldn't think that you, Harry Potter is boring. Yeah, I can, I can do it. So I can just sit there and just watch the whole movie. So what do you prefer? Do you prefer the books or do you prefer the movie? The movie. I do like you prefer watching. the movie? Yes. Do you really? Yes. So do, do the books, do they get a bit more detailed or is it just... The books do get more detailed, but seeing, I like seeing things. Even though I like um, hands-on, so mm-hmm. I like seeing the hands-on things. So let's say I'm watching uh, the TV, I mean watching the movie and reading a book. It, it's something different mm-hmm. between the book tells more details. So I like that uh, towards the book, but I like watching it more. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. Um, so let me ask you this. What are So going back to your college acceptance letters, um, what are some of the colleges from which you received those acceptance letters? So I do have my binder right here oh. with all my college acceptance letters. Wow! <laughs> You're going to let me see the binder. I'm so excited. <laughs> so oh, wow. I oh. do have schools from all over the country <gasps> and probably everybody knows Central, Eastern, Western. We had all the way from University of oh, Arizona. Oh, my goodness. Then we, had, we do have some HBCUs for all my HBCUs uh, graduates. And I have uh, all different selection of colleges. I feel like I'm holding gold. Oh my goodness, I feel so honored. Oh wow, this is so wonderful. Everyone, uh, I'm just literally going through page after page of all of these acceptance letters. Is it okay if I call some of these out? Yeah, you can. So this is, is this Abilene? Yes. Abilene Christian University. We have the University of Akron. Alcorn State University. We have the University of Arizona, Barry University. Oh my goodness, Bowling Green. Bowling Green, and there's Calvin College, Davenport. Oh my goodness, there's so many. There's so there's not a way I can probably go through all of these and continue with this uh with this uh, Georgetown. Georgetown. That is so awesome. I feel like I am holding gold. Thank you so much for letting me go through this. This is wonderful. So let me ask you this. So when you were applying, uh, did you apply for scholarships or how did that work for you? So most of all of my scholarships that have all 300,000 of them are from school. So I have, like for example, I have $56,000 for, not for each year, but for over the course of four years to use for Abilene. And for Bowling Green, I think I have $8,000, so uh, $2,500 uh, per uh, semester through the years. So it's, it's it's split into all the colleges, so I don't really have all full rides. I only have one full ride and one full tuition, but the school I really want to go to, I uh, haven't got that much, so I'm looking to uh, see if I can get more scholarships. Oh, they better get a move on it. <laughs> Goodness, you are sought after. I tell you, this is wonderful. You are, okay, so, um, but but you said you did, you applied for some? Yes. You Okay, so let me ask you this. Do What strategies did you have when you were applying for these scholarships? So, during the time after practice, 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, I try to do half and half. So, this is like 10.30, I stopped doing applications for um, colleges, then I started doing scholarships all the way to 11.30, 11 o'clock at night. So, I tried to, even though it's boring, I feel like it's, I don't know why, but 
because there's so many scholarships that it's hard. Like, you have to write an essay for each one. I try to write as many essays as I can, but it started, even though I'm an educator, I mean, I'm an um, academic achiever, but mm -hmm. the essays start getting boring. You have to start writing about anything, but you're saving thousands <laughs> of dollars, so you can't really complain about it. I know that's the truth. That's right. Go get that money. You're getting your money too. Three hundred thousand. I tell you, that's wonderful. That's a great achievement. Um, so, do you apply for the college scholarships, or do you go through any other uh, scholarship scholarship search? Yes, I apply uh, when I apply. The schools will directly tell me I'm eligible for this amount of money and this amount of money. But then I do look at different websites like scholarship.com. It's a bunch of scholarship. Um, opportunities out there so you can just be, have a scholarship being tall and mm -hmm. I apply for that and it's a lot of tall people so just applying to anything it's a scholarship for anything if you're tall you're short <laughs> got big feet mm -hmm. long cans it's, it's a scholarship for anything so you're just literally whatever you find you just apply for it yes that is awesome I hope everybody's um everybody that's listening um if, if you're actually paying attention to what he is saying just not overlooking those scholarship opportunities, but actually taking the time to apply, regardless how great, how small, and you uh, you can just definitely see the outcome of doing so. He's got over $300,000 in scholarships. He can tell you something. So <laughs> so definitely, I hope um, everyone is paying attention to what he's saying during this interview. Um, he's telling you exactly what you need to do to achieve the same results. So I think that is absolutely wonderful. Um, Tell me a little bit about your career goal. So my career goal, um, originally it was to be a business minor, I mean business major, when, um, back in the beginning of my high school, my senior year. But I ended up changing because my mom was telling me, um, you can be, you can always have, uh, go to school for business, you can always minor in that. It's, you, can, it's, you see there's a bunch of business owners going into different um, uh, majors, so you, you don't have to be a, a, a business uh, major. And I started looking into, when I originally went, uh, my grandfather, the last year March, we ended up going to visit him, and he asked us, "What do we want to do while we're down there?" So we went through a, uh, a lot of lists, going down Google, looking what's in Georgia, what's in Atlanta, and we end up seeing. Well, I end up seeing uh, the Delta Airline Museum. I'm like, that sounds uh, interesting. So we end up going. I loved it. They had to pull me out of the. I did not want to leave because it was an indoor. Um, it's like a like a terminal, like it's an indoor airplane, it's a real big one, so had uh, upstairs and downstairs. I, I I fell in love with it, even though it's sitting um, almost mid-air with the little wheels, I, I just couldn't get off the plane. I just, I wanted to go in aerospace engineering after I found out about that, and I just, I just can't stop looking away from that. Working for NASA, working for Boeing, because Next next 20 years, next 100 years, you can't even see flying cars. I can be one of the people developing them. Come on. <laughs> I know that's the truth. That is wonderful. If you hear some feedback, he has some, some wonderful family members here with him. And so they're excited. They're just as excited as um, as he is, as his own mother is. Uh, and um, that's his, uh, his grandmother is here, um, uh, Sheila Finn, and also the uh, Joyce. Yes, the Joyce Courtney, she is here as well. These are his um, family members as well. So they're they're expressing their joy in the background. <laughs> Definitely expressing their joy in the background. So um, let me ask you, there's uh, another question that I wanted to ask you. 
that is, first of all, uh, your mother also mentioned uh, the power of prayer. She, she mentioned the, uh, quite a bit uh, the power of prayer. Can you tell me how prayer has contributed to your success? So praying every day, praying every morning before we go to school when she drop us off and praying before we go to sleep and praying over food mm -hmm. is like mandatory. You have to, even though a lot of people don't believe it, but it's, that's, the, that's the truth. If you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus, He's there. It can be anything that happened to to you, so you don't know. So praying to him and asking him to cover over you while you're asleep, <laughs> while you're eating, and while you're at school is a is a great thing. Like it, it can help you. Like and it's a lot of things happening in the world. School shootings, for example, just everything's happening in the world. So you just need to pray before you go to sleep, before you go to school, before you go out, before you even just before you get up yeah but just let just letting god know that you're here and you thank him for everything you uh, that he had been doing it's, it's a good thing oh that is awesome the power of prayer and, and you said some key things just asking god to cover you to protect and just uh cover you as you're away from the house as you're sleeping because anything can happen but we, you acknowledge your faith in God and how you just depend on your faith in God to get you through and to actually help you through your through your day and you depend on that and that is wonderful that's a wonderful testimony to have do you have any scriptures or you know bible verses that you uh, lean on quite a bit so my favorite uh, scripture and I've been learning this since I was younger going to church Little boy running around with a tuxedo. Um, I still uh, John three sixteen. So so God loved the world. I just I just love that uh, that uh, scripture. Like it tells a lot. Like God have been been through a lot. Like so much I have read on him. He's been through a lot, and he did a lot just to give uh, for to give our sins. So. Just being, just being his in his presence and giving back to him is is key. That's the key thing. But that's just in my mindset. That's key, giving back to him, because he he can he could just uh, live his life. He could have never got killed, but he died for our sins. Absolutely. What he's what he's saying is, and a lot of us know this, uh, have read this scripture, and uh, have known this scripture by heart, and that is. He said, John 3, 16, and though I do know this scripture by heart, I just don't want to mix up any words. And that is John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so you just... Um, uh, using that scripture and this is a scripture that you love so much and this just reflects your faith in God and you're just acknowledging the fact that um you know Jesus being here on this earth had had uh, gone through so much and that that's probably I would say that's um something that you probably reflect on yeah. as far as in the scriptures as you were growing up and having your um different challenges and different naysayers just going back and thinking of the story of Jesus, there are certain things that we've never, ever experienced. But if he made it through, we can make it through. Yes. 
And that is an awesome testimony of all scripture. You know, I just really thought you were going to say something else. That is something you just go ahead and evangelize on the raw, real, and velvet <laughs> show. That's exactly what you just did. You just evangelized right here on this show. Um, well, I, I definitely thank God for you. I thank God for your testimony. I thank God that um, that you um, have a relationship with God and that you have decided to uh, defeat all odds and just go ahead and overcome. Is there anything that you'd like to share with your, what advice do you have for other students wanting to achieve the same success? Um, so for my li um, little siblings, I really, I just want them to have the best life they can live as long as they can. So I want them to go through school. I want them to go to college, but I want them to do whatever they want to do. But being a goof off and doing whatever they want, like that's not in the right mindset, it's not okay. But just being able to live life and have your own career is, is really, it's the main point in life. And just for other people, I tell it like, people thought I was crazy when I started applying for so many schools. Like my counselor is like, why are you applying so many schools? You're applying over 60 schools, over 70 schools. I'm like, you have to, if you want to have a, a future, you have to have applications. You have to fill out an application for your future. It's for a job, it's for a career, for anything. And Jesus, he filled out an application to give up his life. So mm. you have to, you have to fill out, fill out that application for your future. So just for all the younger students, the, even the seniors that's uh, still in high school right now, you have to fill out that application. It don't matter if it's for a job, if it's for school, you have to make your own career. Because make, working at McDonald's, Burger King, that's not going to uh, secure your future because that's going to lead to different different things. So you will not work every day. So that will lead to different things in your life, and now it's going to end um, you're not gonna be financially um, right. So just being able to have your own career and especially for the black community, we need to you know, let that, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the statistics um, not be who you are. So just being being able to talk to the, even me being a mentor to younger people at my um, sister uh, academies at uh, Cornerstone, it's actually, they run into me every time I pick up my brothers from the school. They run into, hey, Michael, hey, Michael, I see you on the news today. I'm I, I just I'm just so happy to see them approve. Like, one student, he ended up getting honor roll that, that um, same wow. year. So just encouraging students to uh, be better in themselves is key. Because if you start early, it will lead you somewhere early, too. <laughs> That is wonderful. There you have it, everybody. You have heard the wonderful testimony of Michael Love, his um, his success. Um, we're so thankful that you were here on the Raw, Real, and Relevant show. So thankful to have interviewed you. I am praying for you. You be encouraged. You keep on keeping on. I'm so excited. Everybody, please continue to tune in every second and fourth Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard, Standard Time. And that is silverline-radio.com that is silverline-radio.com till next time i am crystal harris wonder good morning this is barb young with are you aware on silverline radio i my topic today is going to be about health insurance and I also wanted to uh, go back from the last time I was on when I was introducing myself. 
I forgot to say that I'm a co-business owner with my husband. We have a business called A to B, Network and Security Services, LLC, and much more. <laughs> and um, so let's get right into it. I have had the worst experience with health insurance, and we so-called had the best, which, was, which is Blue Cross Blue Shield. The experience that that we've we've gone through is just it was like it's like very very crazy. I would advise everybody to read their health plans, and uh, after reading them, call so you can get a better understanding. Reading your health plan yourself and then googling the words that you don't understand doesn't is that's not going to help you. Just so you know, that's not going to help you. It failed me like horribly. It failed me. Um, every job that my husband's had outside of the military, he's had to, to get the insurance provided from his job. Like, it, no, there was no other option. Like, when we had Medicaid and they found out his job had insurance, we got kicked off, like, directly kicked off. Um, the private insurance is not all that it's cooked up to be. My son, our son is autistic, and he's never received services, like, from, from any of the um, autism places here in Michigan until now where now we just have straight Medicaid. Um, and that didn't happen until December when my husband walked away from his job so we could start our own business. Um, I was very, before that, it was very, very hard trying to get him services. He's five, he's supposed to be in kindergarten, uh, regular school, but he can't be in a regular classroom setting. So, um, so I said, okay, he really needs to go to ABA so they can help him. I got denied, 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 turned away, turned away. I called Autism Alliance, got turned away, all because we have private insurance. Now, what baffles me is they tell you that if we have, with having private insurance, you're, you're getting ahead in life. You know, like you're progressing in the world. You know, like you have, you're able to pay for, you know, insurance, your health insurance. Like that's a big deal. But they're not telling you, hey, you, you're paying all this money, but we're only giving you half, half of services, which sucks. Um, they do not, uh, the, the, all the, the services in Michigan do not accept private insurance, which, which is very baffling to me. I'm like, so I said, okay, you have to be poor in order to, to receive mental, mental, mental health services? Doesn't make sense to me. And that's part of the reason why you have a lot of kids or people in general in school just walking around in life knowing the feeling that something's wrong with them, but no one's addressing it. It's baffling to me when only 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 the kids in I'll say in Detroit Public Schools what I've noticed is that those kids get pushed. And a lot of a lot of those kids gets pushed gets pushed because the special education department is like non existent or is just very everything happens very little with them. They take away everything and that's also happening with the health services for autism. Uh, we also have a, another, we, we, we have a daughter who is disabled. She has JRA and JIA. We receive a hospital bill every time she has to go to the hospital. Every single time. And these were not little small bills, $100 here, $90, $50, no. We're talking about $400, $1,400, you know, for, for bills of her staying in the hospital or just going to the ER. And when you have that kind of pain, that's, very constant. So we're, we're back and forth in the ER in the hospital quite often and we had a copay. 
uh, the copay started off at $50, then it jumped to $150, then we had a $200 copay. At some point, you say, okay, every, th every time before we go to the hospital, I, got, I have to really look over and go over my child, like, is it really that serious? It's 2019. Why are we still making decisions like that? Why is that? Why like? Why is that even still a problem? Uh, me, I've had to have five back surgeries. I received the bill for every single one of them, and these are not small bills. We're talking forty thousand dollars surgeries, and not, I mean, it's, and every time I have to go into the hospital before having surgery, you have to go through a process. Meaning they're not just going to allow your doctor to cut on you just because, it, you know, j just because you need it. So you have to go through all of their procedures, all the health insurance procedures. Meaning they're going to make you get injections that you, that, that you don't need. Like, you, this stuff is not going to help you. It's, it's not. Especially if you have something like a herniated disc, something that's torn. This is not going to help you. It's going to band-aid it. So the insurance companies do this so they don't have to pay all that money, you know, for you know, for you. So they sit there and band-aid you until you either say, "I'm tired of being band-aided and I want, you know, I, I need something more," or you just say, "Forget it, forget it all together and stop your treatment," which is what most people do. And then when they get 50 and 60 years old, you can barely walk up a flight of stairs, all because you chose to ignore your health problems because your insurance company pretty much chose to ignore it. It sucks. Why does your insurance company have that much power over your health? That every, and it all comes full circle to a, a money issue. Why is money included in my health? Like, why does that matter about my health? Like, and then as a, as a doctor, when you take that oath, I'm not understanding what you're taking the oath for. You're supposed, you're taking the oath to help the people regardless of, 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 of how they can pay. Most doctors are becoming doctors just for the check. That's not okay. If you're a doctor and you never touch any of your patients, you're not a doctor. You just you just have you just have a title pretty much. If you don't even try to engage with your patients, you're not a doctor and you don't take your oath very seriously, obviously. And it's it's baff it's baffling to me that when you can't pay, you are turned away or you are treated a certain way. You cannot receive certain drugs if you if you cannot pay. If you go to the ER and you don't and you're not able to pay your copay, they will either try to get you out as fast as possible without helping you, literally, or they're going to treat you like a drug addict. I've been treated like a drug addict every time, every, I'll say, every, every time I've been to the ER in, in 20, 2017, I said, okay, this is, this is insane. I'm not coming here to constantly get your medicine. Like, I don't want that. I want to be better. I want you to fix me. And... When you, so when you have to, when you go after a certain amount of time, they're like, well, we can't give you any narcotics. So so what so what else do you want? And it's, and you know, I'm, I want to be better. I could care less if you give me don't give me the narcotics. Can you make can can you help make me better? And when you look and when they you know when you say that they look at you like you're crazy, like like wow you don't like you don't want the medicine. Okay, so well well we can't help you past that. I I was I have very sensitive skin, so every time I would get injections or anything like that, have my blood drawn, anything, I will, it will leave a mark. So that's, that's a sign of, uh, of an addict with, you know, with track marks. I'm not an addict. Nowhere near an addict. But seeing that I have to go to the hospital so many times and get an IV, 
they just start, started assuming that I was an addict and I was just coming back for drugs. Do, like, do you know that that makes you feel as a person eventually, I guess? Um, you start to you start to wonder like okay do I um, like do they wanna do do they wanna help me or do they just wanna keep accepting the insurance money every time I come in here or am I tripping is it is the pain really that bad I mean they like start really start thinking about some crazy stuff and then you just one day I just said no I'm not crazy and I'm not an addict I just want to be helped like there's no way I'm 27 years old and shouldn't be able to walk like that's pretty that's pretty crazy. And nobody can, you know, and everybody can only say, "Oh, it's just a little bit of this," or, "Well, your insurance company won't won't cover this, but they'll cover this procedure." It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I would love to get in front of the state of Michigan and ask them, "Why, why does insurance company have so much power over my life? Like that doesn't make that it baffles me. There's no way in 2019 we should be making a decision to go to the doctor or go to the grocery store." Why? That's baffling to me. But we had to do that for months, constantly asking for help, you know, just to cover something, anything. Naya, our, our daughter who has the arthritis, it has started to affect her eyes, so that means glasses. That means going to another specialist. That means more money. When the insurance company wouldn't cover Jonah's services, we had to pay for speech. Like, yeah. And uh, also another thing with health insurance is in your doctors. The diagnosing process, oh my gosh. When Jonah was diagnosed with autism, I, ra I raised the attention to my doctor when he was one because he just stopped talking, something was, you know, something was different. And I'm like, that's not normal. She said, let's wait until two. She definitely saw it at the two-year-old well visit. Um, she, she give, they, they give you a paper with you know, places to go. That, that's what, literally what happens. You call these places. And if you have a private insurance, you won't get help. Now, early on is a process through, I'm guessing Michigan and Wayne County. It's a nice program, don't get me wrong, nice program, but it sets you up for, it sets the kids up for failure. No lie, failure. Why? My son was, um, I caught early on, he got in the program. The program didn't, didn't do anything for him because of how, um, how far he was on the scale, but, once he, when he turned three, they, he instantly was transitioned out to Detroit public school system. They did not ask me. They did not suggest, like, they didn't say, hey, do, do you have any suggestions on where you want your son to go? Do you, like, nothing, anything. We just found out that he was going to the school, Cook, and, and uh, they were going to send transportation for him to go. I said, hmm, okay. During that, before John went to school, I was not able to walk or anything, so I couldn't even take my son to his first day of school. Um, I couldn't even put my son on the bus, but it was just something in me. Like I'm like, this is, I don't want him to go DPS. Never wanted my kids to go DPS just because I know how horrible the school system is. And uh, so once all that happened, I'm like, okay, I don't have a choice. I'm laid up. I can't drive. I can't depend. I'm not going to depend on anybody to get him where he needs to go. Okay, I'm going to trust this. And yeah, it was the worst decision I made. They lost my son on the bus. Jonah was nonverbal the first year of school. And they said, they said he told him, they told him, um, he told them a name, and I said, he's not, he's nonverbal. Every, I mean, it just set off alarms around the, 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 the transportation system, his school, and I'm just like, this is so insane. The, the miscommunication between everybody, the transportation system, the school, 
the parents, the doctors, there's no communication there to, to even know what kind of plan is best for this child. You just say, hey, go into this program and then go, go here because this is just the process to, to push you along until you get to be an adult and you're not our problem anymore. Or when you get to be an adult, you are a problem because now we have to pay you SSI disability and that, well, that's about all. Now that we give you a check, you should be good now. That's what happens to most of, of Americans with mental health. That's what happens to most kids who are in your schools who, you, who, who you're saying is bad. They're not bad. It, it's something, there's, there's a miscommunication there in their brain and you're, nobody's addressing it. Nobody's taking the time. You're just like, okay, you showed up. I'm going to get paid for you, and that's that. When are we going to say enough is enough? Like, when do we stop giving the health insurances? When do we stop giving the doctors and just people so much power over our lives, our health, over our kids? Like, I really don't understand. Like, I, I really don't understand it. I don't. People who work in the health um, insurance industry have yet, have yet to been able to give me an answer, honestly. I've called the insurance, most, multiple insurance companies and asked you know, ask them about this policy, and it's in all insurance private insurance companies. You cannot get help with certain programs here in Michigan. Our youngest, our, um, our Caden, our son, he was diagnosed with dyslexia. That's not even a disability here in Michigan, recognized as a, as a disability. There, were no, there are no programs to help him. Now, the school he goes to, thank God, he goes out to, they go out to schools in Dearborn Heights, they have programs. And then they have another program on top of a program. So he's, and you know, he's put in a lot of programs out there, thank God, but the, the solution that gave me to this problem was, well, mom, just try to read with him more at home, and you know, that's pretty, that's really all you could do, or, or you're just gonna have to pay for services. What? Like, I'm paying over $900, in health insurance right now, for, you know, for, for health insurance right now, why do I, why can't I receive my services? Like, why can't I receive these humane services? Like, these are this seem, this stuff seems like it should be normal. It should be given to you. Like, oh, you have a problem with you're, you're thinking about something too hard. Oh, you like it should be given to you. Should, you should not have to jump through so many loops and hoops to get health care. It baffles me. Then if you can't pay for it, you can't get anything. Like, that's really messed up. So, uh, far, go back to my son being dyslexic, I called the one center that I did find, and she was booked up for three years. She had a waiting list for three years out. I was like, that's not real. I was like, and she was just, and she was just like, you know, she apologized for the state of Michigan. You don't even work for the state of Michigan, but you're apologizing because you understand me. Why is the resource, I, I, I asked her, I said, why is the, why is there not enough resources for the need? And that was another person that said to me, Mom, I don't know. Do you know how many times I heard, Mom, I don't know over the course from, I'll say from August to, de to December? Mom, I don't know. Mom, I can't help you. Mom, I'm so sorry that your son is going through this. That is it's the craziest thing in the world, but they ref and they will refuse. They will not help you. And they don't have to, especially as long as it's in their contract. I don't know, folks. <laughs> If uh, I'm not sure if other people has, have gone through this. I know I've heard a lot of stories of people dealing with cancer who go, whose insurance companies just suck once you find out you really, really need it, and that's a time where you really, really need it. You, it's, it, seemed like, it seemed like it gets too, it gets too late.
when, when you really find out what your insurance plan is about. And I wonder, and I, just, I wonder, like, why are these doctors getting jobs and they don't really care about, and they don't care about the people? Why are you hiring these doctors? Why, like, like, why? Why are you, why are you, why are these people farm? Why are these, why are these people pharmacists? Like, why is that okay? Why are you okay to just to work with people or work on people and you don't care about them? That's 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 not right to me. Um, the insurance companies, <sighs> the insurance companies. The, I mean, well, the jobs. Say the jobs. They sometimes call themselves trying to help the the employees by picking the certain insurance plans. That's what his job called their self doing twice. And every time they, they, they changed it, the, the amount went up, but the services sucked. And I, so we said, okay, at first we were paying seven something for six people, then it went up to eight something, and then now, well, then it was um, over, over $900. And we were still not getting help. Like, like literally, still having to pay co-pays, still paying, like, still paying, um, still paying for medication. Not, not full price, but I'll say not. I'll say we were paying more than half. I could definitely say that. And the uh, the pharmacy got so bad to the, to the point where the pharmacists were was like, okay, we're gonna give you some discount cards because you guys are really, you know, paying a lot in medication. Like we want to help. That was one of the best things that could ever happen, like ever, 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 ever. I thank God for those people who do want to want to help. Those people who do who have given us medication to you know to help get us by until we could could pay for it i'm thankful for the the people that and that are in the insurance companies that i have talked to who said you know what i'm gonna ask such and such and get try to get to the bottom of this try to get try try to get you an answer you know i thank god for those people who have called me back with no answer but still with but but with remorse i'm i'm thankful for family and our church who who's been there to help us with buying groceries or helping with the kids whatever you know whatever was needed so so yeah i really encourage everybody to look into your insurance plans and and once you look into them don't google what you see ask someone ask someone who i want to say who who works there per se but ask someone who who just really know know know, know what they're talking about and do not think just because you're paying for your insurance, you're gonna you're gonna receive the best service. That's a lie. Do not think just because you receive Medicaid, you're going you're going to receive the best services. That that's a lie. Some doctors, when you treat when they see you have Medicaid, they treat you like the plague. Like like oh my gosh, you have Medicaid, please go. Like like they don't want to deal with it. And then some doctors say when oh when you have a private insurance, they're real sketchy. They don't want to go through the processes of getting the referrals. Doctors' offices hate going through the process of getting referrals. That, pro that prolongs whatever, whatever's wrong with you, that prolongs that because they don't feel like doing it. I don't, I don't even understand why you, why you should still be working in the medical field with that type of attitude, but they do. And uh, other than that, people, I just please, 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 I encourage you to re look into your, insurance, into your insurance plans, talk to somebody, talk with a group of people if, if necessary, but please get invested. Do not think just because it does not affect you right now that it won't ever affect you. Look into your insurance plans. Look into your, help your family. Thank you folks for listening.
Good morning. This is Barb Young with Are You Aware on Silver Line Radio. I, my topic today is going to be about health insurance. And I also wanted to uh, go back from the last time I was on when I was introducing myself. I forgot to say that I am a co-business owner with my husband. We have a business called A to B Network and Security Services, LLC, and much more. <laughs> and um, so let's get right into it. I have had the worst experience with health insurance, and we so-called had the best, which, was, which is Blue Cross Blue Shield. The experience that that we've we've gone through is just it was like it's like very very crazy. I would advise everybody to read their health plans, and uh, after reading them, call so you can get a better understanding. Reading your health plan yourself and then googling the words that you don't understand doesn't is that's not going to help you. Just so you know, that's not going to help you. It failed me like horribly. It failed me. Um, every job that my husband's had outside of the military, he's had to, to get the insurance provided from his job. Like, it, no, that there was no other option. Like, when we had Medicaid and they found out his job had insurance, we got kicked off, like, directly kicked off. Um, the private insurance is not all that it's cooked up to be. My son, our son is autistic, and he's never received services, like, from, from any of the um, autism places here in Michigan until now when now we just have straight Medicaid. Um, and that didn't happen until December when my husband walked away from his job so we could start our own business. Um, I was very, before that, it was very, very hard trying to get him services. He's five, he's supposed to be in kindergarten, uh, regular school, but he can't be in a regular classroom setting. So, um, so I said, okay, he really needs to go to ABA so they can help him. I got denied, 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 turned away, turned away. I called Autism Alliance, got turned away, all because we have private insurance. Now, what baffles me is they tell you that if we have, with having private insurance, you're, you're getting ahead in life. You know, like you're progressing in the world. You know, like you have, you're able to pay for, you know, insurance, your health insurance. Like, that's a big deal. But they're not telling you, hey, you, you're paying all this money, but we're only giving you half, half of services, which sucks. Um, they do not, uh, the, the, all the, ser the services in Michigan do not accept private insurance, which, which is very baffling to me. I'm like, so I said, okay, you have to be poor in order to, to receive mental, mental, mental health services? Doesn't make sense to me. And that's part of the reason why you have a lot of kids or people in general in school just walking around in life knowing the feeling that something's wrong with them, but no one's addressing it. It's baffling to me when only 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 the kids in I'll say in Detroit Public School what I've noticed is that those kids get pushed. And a lot of a lot of those kids gets pushed gets pushed because the special education department is like non existent or is it's just very everything happens very little with them. They take away everything and that's also happening with the health services for autism. Uh, we also have a, another, we, we, we have a daughter who is disabled. She has JRA and JIA. We receive a hospital bill every time she has to go to the hospital. Every single time. 
and these were not little small bills, $100 here, 90 50 $50, no. We're talking about $400, $1,400, you know, for, for bills of her staying in the hospital or just going to the ER. And when you have that kind of pain, that's very constant. So we're, we're back and forth in the ER in the hospital quite often, and we had a copay. Uh, the copay started off at $50, then it jumped to $150. Then we had a $200 copay. At some point, you say, okay, every, th every time before we go to the hospital, I, got, I have to really look over and go over my child, like, is it really that serious? It's 2019. Why are we still making decisions like that? Why is that, why, like, why is that even still a problem? Uh, me. <laughs> I've had to have five back surgeries. I've received the bill for every single one of them. And these are not small bills. We're talking $40,000 surgeries. And I, I mean, this is, and every time I have to go into the hospital, before having surgery, you have to go through a process. Meaning they're not just going to allow your doctor to cut on you just because, it, you know, ju just because you need it. So you have to go through all of their procedures, all the health insurance procedures. Meaning they're going to make you get injections that you, that you, that you don't need. Like, you, this stuff is not going to help you. It's, it's not. Especially if you have something like a herniated disc, something that's torn. This is not going to help you. It's going to band-aid it. So the insurance companies do this so they don't have to pay all that money, you know, for you. Know, for you. So they sit there and band-aid you until you either say, I'm tired of being band-aided and I want, you know, I, I need something more. Or you just say, forget it, forget it all together and stop your treatment, which is what most people do. And then when they get 50 and 60 years old, you can barely walk up a flight of stairs, all because you chose to ignore your health problems because your insurance company pretty much chose to ignore it. It sucks. Why does your insurance company have that much power over your health? That everything and it all comes full circle to a, a money issue. Why is money included in my health? Like, why does that matter about my health? Like, and then as a, as a doctor, when you take that oath, I'm not understanding what you're taking the oath for. You're supposed, you're taking the oath to help the people regardless of, 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 of how they can pay. Most doctors are becoming doctors just for the check. That's not okay. If you're a doctor and you never touch any of your patients, you're not a doctor. You just, you just, have, you just have a title pretty much. If you don't even try to engage with your patients, you're not a doctor and you don't take your oath very seriously, obviously. And it's, it's, baff, it's baffling to me that when you can't pay, you are turned away or you are treated a certain way. You cannot receive certain drugs if you, if you cannot pay. If you go to the ER and, you don't, and you're not able to pay your copay, they will either try to get you out as fast as possible without helping you, literally, or they're gonna treat you like a drug addict. I've been treated like a drug addict Every time, I'll say, every, every time I've been to the ER in, in 20, 2017, I said, okay, this is, this is insane. I'm not coming here to constantly get your medicine. Like, I don't want that. I want to be better. I want you to fix me. And when you, so when you, have to, when you go after a certain amount of time, they're like, well, we can't give you any narcotics, so, so, what, so what else do you want? And, it's, and you know, I'm, I want to be better. I could care less if you give me don't give me the narcotics. Can you make can can you help make me better? And when you look and when they you know when you say that they look at you like you're crazy, like like wow you don't like you don't want the medicine. Okay, so well well we can't help you past that. 
I I was I have very sensitive skin, so every time I would get injections or anything like that, have my blood drawn, anything, I will it would leave a mark. So that's that's a sign of uh, of an addict with you know with track marks. I'm not an addict, nowhere near an addict. But seeing that I have to go to the hospital so many times and get an IV, they just start, start started assuming that I was an addict and I was just coming back for drugs. Do, like, do you know that that makes you feel as a person eventually? I guess um, you start to you start to wonder like, okay, do I um, like do they wanna do do they wanna help me or do they just wanna keep accepting the insurance money every time I come in here? Or am I tripping? Is it is the pain really that bad? I mean, they like start really start thinking about some crazy stuff, and then you just one day I just said, no, I'm not crazy and I'm not an addict. I just want to be helped. Like there's no way I'm 27 years old and shouldn't be able to walk. Like that's pretty that's pretty crazy, and nobody can, you know and everybody can only say, oh, it's just a little bit of this, or well, your insurance company won't won't cover this, but they'll cover this procedure. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I would love to get in front of the state of Michigan and ask them, why why does insurance company have so much power over my life? Like that doesn't make, that, it baffles me. There's no way in 2019, we should be making a, a decision to go to the doctor or go to the grocery store. Why? That's baffling to me. But we had to do that for months, constantly asking for help, you know, just to cover something, anything. Now, our, our daughter who has the arthritis, it has started to affect her eyes, so that means glasses. That means going to another specialist. That means more money. When the insurance company wouldn't cover Jonah's services, we had to pay for speech. Like, yeah. And uh, also, another thing with health insurance is in your doctors. The diagnosing process, oh my gosh. When Jonah was diagnosed with autism, I, ra I raised the attention to my doctor when he was one because he just stopped talking. Something was, you know, something was different. And I'm like, that's not normal. She said, let's wait until two. She definitely saw it at the two-year-old well visit. Um, she she give they they give you a paper with you know places to go. That that's what literally what happens. You call these places, and if you have a private insurance, you won't get help. Now early on, is a process through. I'm guessing Michigan or Wayne County. It's a nice program, don't get me wrong, nice program, but it sets you up for, it sets the kids up for failure. No lie, failure. Why? My son was, um, I caught early on, he got in the program. The program didn't, didn't do anything for him because of how, um, how far he was on the scale, but once he, when, when he turned three, they, he instantly was transitioned out to Detroit Public School System. They did not ask me, they did not, suggest like they didn't say hey do, do you have any suggestions on where you want your son to go do you like n nothing anything we just found out that he was going to the school cook and and uh, they were going to send transportation for him to go i said hmm okay during that before john went to school i was not able to walk or anything so i couldn't even take my son to his first day of school um i couldn't even put my son on the bus but it was just something in me, like, I'm like, this is, I don't want him to go to DPS. Never wanted my kids to go to DPS, just because I know how horrible the school system is. And uh, so once all that happened, I'm like, okay, I don't have a choice. I'm laid up, I can't drive, I can't depend, I'm not gonna depend on anybody to get him where he needs to go. Okay, I'm gonna trust this, and yeah, it was the worst decision I made. They lost my son on the bus. Jonah was nonverbal the first year of school, and they said, 
They said he told him. They told him. Um, he told them a name, and I said he's not. He's nonverbal. Every. I mean, it just set off alarms uh, around the, the 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 transportation system, his school, and I'm just like, this is so insane. The the miscommunication between everybody, the transportation system, the school, the parents, the doctors. There's no communication there to to even know what kind of plan is best for this child. You just say, hey, go into this program. And then go go here because this is just the process to to push you along until you get to be an adult and you're not our problem anymore, or when you get to be an adult you are a problem because now we have to pay you SSI disability and that well that's about all now that we give you a check you should be good now. That's what happens to most of of Americans with mental health. That's what happens to most kids who are in your schools, who you who who you're saying is bad. They're not bad. It, it's something. There's there's a miscommunication there in their brain, and you're nobody's addressing it. Nobody's taking the time. You're just like, okay, you showed up. I'm gonna get paid for you, and that's that. When are we gonna say enough is enough? Like, when do we stop giving the health insurances? When do we stop giving the doctors and just people so much power over our lives, our health, over our kids? Like, I really don't understand. Like, I, I really don't understand it. I don't. People who work in the health um, insurance industry have yet has yet to been able to give me an answer. Honestly, I've called the insurance most multiple insurance companies and asked you know asked them about this policy, and it's in all insurance com private insurance companies. You cannot get help with certain programs here in Michigan. Our youngest, our um, our Caden, our son, he was diagnosed with dyslexia. That's not even a disability here in Michigan. Recognizes as a, as a disability. There were no, there are no programs to help him. Now the school he goes to, thank God, he goes out to they go out to schools in Dearborn Heights. They have programs, and then they have another program on top of a program. So he's enrolled, and you know he's put in a lot of programs out there, thank God. But the the solution they gave me to this problem was, well, mom, just try to read with him more at home. And you know that's pretty. That's really all you can do, or or you're just gonna have to pay for services. What? Like I'm paying over nine hundred dollars in health insurance right now. For, you know, for for health insurance right now. Why do? I, why can't I receive my services? Like why can't I receive these humane services? Like these are this seem this stuff seems like it should be normal. It should be given to you. Like oh, you have a problem with you're thinking about something too hard. Oh, you like it should be given to you. Should, you should not have to jump through so many loops and hoops to get health care. It baffles me. Then if you can't pay for it, you can't get anything. Like, that's really messed up. So, uh, far, go, go back to my son being dyslexic. I called the one center that I did find, and she was booked up for three years. She had a waiting list for three years out. I was like, that's not real. I was like, and she was just, and she was just like, you know, she apologized for the state of Michigan. You don't even work for the state of Michigan, but you're apologizing because you understand me. Why is the resource? I said, well, I, I asked her, I said, why is the why is there not enough resources for the need? And that was another person that said to me, Mom, I don't know. Do you know how many times I heard, Mom, I don't know over the course from I'll say from August to de to December. Mom, I don't know. Mom, I can't help you. Mom, I'm so sorry that your son is going through this. That is it's the craziest thing in the world, but they ref and they will refuse. They will not help you. And they don't have to, especially as long as it's in their contract. 
I don't know, folks. <laughs> if uh, I'm not sure if other people has, have gone through this. I know I've heard a lot of stories of people dealing with cancer who go, whose insurance companies just suck once you find out you really, really need it, and that's a time where you really, really need it. You, it's, it seems like it seems like it gets too it get too late when when you really find out what your insurance plan is about. And I wonder, and I just I wonder like why are these doctors getting jobs and they don't really care about and they don't care about the people? Why are you hiring these doctors? Why like like why why are you, why are you why are these people farm why are these why are these people pharmacists? Like why is that okay? Why are you okay to just to work with people or work on people and you don't care about them? That's 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 not right to me. Um, the insurance companies, <sighs> the insurance companies. The, I mean, well, the jobs. Say the jobs. They sometimes call themselves trying to help the the employees by picking the certain insurance plans. That's what his job called their self doing twice, and every time they 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 changed it, the the amount went up, but the services sucked. And I, so we said, okay, at first we were paying seven something for six people. Then it went up to eight something, and then now, well, then it was um, over over nine hundred dollars, and we were still not getting help, like like literally still having to pay copays, still paying like still paying um medi still paying for medication, not not full price, but I'll say not I'll say we were paying more than half, I could definitely say that, and the uh, the pharmacy got so bad to the, to the point where the pharmacists were was like okay we're gonna give you some discount cards because you guys are really you know paying a lot in medication like we want to help that was one of the best things that could ever happen like ever 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 I thank God for those people who do want to want to help those people who do who have given us medication to you know to help get us by until we could could pay for it. I'm thankful for the the people that and that are in the insurance companies that I have talked to who said, you know what, I'm gonna ask such and such and get try to get to the bottom of this, try to get try try to get you an answer. You know, I thank God for those people who have called me back with no answer, but still with but but with remorse. I'm I'm thankful for family and our church who who's been there to help us with buying groceries or helping with the kids, whatever you know, whatever was needed. So, so yeah, I really encourage everybody to look into your insurance plans. And, and once you look into them, don't Google what you see. Ask someone. Ask someone who, I want to say who, who works there per se, but ask someone who, who just really know, 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 know what they're talking about. And do not think just because you're paying for your insurance, you're going to, have, you're going to receive the best service. That's a lie. Do not think just because you receive Medicaid, you're going you're going to receive the best services. That that's a lie. Some doctors, when you treat, when they see you have Medicaid, they treat you like the plague, like like oh my gosh, you have Medicaid, please go. Like we, like they don't want to deal with it. And then some doctors say when oh when you have a private insurance, they're real sketchy. They don't want to go through the processes of getting the referrals. Doctors' offices hate going through the process of getting referrals. That pro that prolongs whatever whatever's wrong with you. That prolongs that because they don't feel like doing it. I don't. I don't even understand why you why you should still be working in the medical field with that type of attitude, but they do. And uh, other than that, people, I just please, 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 I encourage you to re look into your insurance into your insurance plans. Talk to somebody. Talk with a group of people, if if necessary. 
but please get invested. Do not think just because it does not affect you right now that it won't ever affect you. Look into your insurance plans. Look into your, help your family. Thank you folks for listening. <laughs>